Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of I'm Failing Upwards with me, your host, Ilan Ontiveros, a podcast about everything but mostly nerd stuff. Today, I am, like always, excited to bring you another episode of this podcast. Firstly, I would like to thank everyone who answered the survey last week on Instagram. As all those answers help me understand what type of content and what type of structure most of you are looking for. And with regards to that feedback, and surprisingly to me, we're just going to get into it. With an overwhelming majority, you guys really want episodes every week. So even though I literally just told y'all last week <laughs> that I was going to go into an every other week schedule, I guess I'll be going back to a weekly upload schedule because that's what you guys want. So that's what y'all get. Okay. Damn. Uh, make me change my mind, make me seem like a liar, but it's fine. It's fine. We'll 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 roll <laughs> roll roll with it. So with that being said, make sure to follow me on Instagram at I'm failing upwards one. Again, that's at I'm failing upwards one. If you haven't already done so, to stay up to date on the latest episodes and any other future surveys that I might do to see how you are feeling and see if there are any room for improvement, things that I can do in terms of quality of the content and that I am putting out. So again, thank you for the feedback and be on the lookout for more questions in the future. So before getting started on today's topic, I would like to quickly talk about the extremely exciting news that the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender are coming back and they are coming back to Nickelodeon. More specifically, they have started a new studio called Avatar Studios where they will focus on expanding the Avatarverse, which is fucking awesome. It's honestly some of the best fucking news I have received in the last year. It, hell, in the last years when it comes to entertainment because I fucking love Avatar The Last Airbender. It's easily my favorite show of all time, hands down. It's extremely entertaining. It's so good. I'm sure you guys have heard me rave about how fucking awesome and how fucking fun that show is. So I'm super excited to hear that the original creators and producers are coming back to make this happen. The only sad thing about this news is the fact that now the live action series coming out on Netflix is probably going to suck ass. So we probably won't get a live action adaptation of avatar the last airbender anytime soon that'll be good but at least it's good to know that for the foreseeable future we're definitely going to have some good content coming for avatar and its universe hopefully you know we'll get stuff that has them as adults or at least team avatar in an older setting hopefully they're prime because that would be honestly really fucking cool it'd be really cool how they set up republic city it would really really cool how they deal with things that happened after the end of the first show and something that i saw i don't know if it was on twitter or facebook but it would be really fucking awesome to see how sahir and his band of teenagers at the time because fuck it's it's been a minute <laughs> managed to or how they held up against ang and his gang to like you know fuck shit up when they were <laughs> when they were in their prime before we got introduced to them 
in the show for Korra. So that would be really cool. As well as I'm excited to see the animated movie that the Avatar Studios people are going to be working on and start the production for sometime this year. I believe it's what the news article said. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is actually going to be a fun one. I spent... <laughs> I spent uh, a bit of time researching this. Uh, we are going to go ahead and once again, we're going to get deep into Star Wars theory. And when I say deep, I really mean deep. So strap in. I had to read and I don't like reading. So you better fucking like this shit. <laughs> okay. I put I put a lot of work into this. I did go out of like what I usually do and, you know, out of my comfort zone. I literally wrote a paper on this shit. So. <laughs> So it's going to be fun. So what am I referring to? Well, last episode, I made a comment about how Star Wars is not really a quote unquote original story because it's entirely based on the hero's journey. And to be more specific and fair, what I meant by that was that the story structure of A New Hope wasn't really original. The reason for that is because it is based on the structure of a hero's journey, which we'll get into in this episode so in this episode and some of the ones following because this is not going to be a one episode deal we will be getting into what the hero's journey means who made it how it ties into star wars and how not only it affects episode four but the entire series as a whole and so to begin we got to answer the question of what is the hero's journey as the name implies, the hero's journey is the path that is usually taken by the protagonist of the story you are reading or watching. In this case, the protagonist being Luke. However, after we are done with the series, you'll see how you can apply this narrative tool to pretty much any story that involves going on an adventure. Hell, as I'm talking about this, after we are done with the series, you'll be able to see why Episode 7, The Force Awakens, is often rightfully compared to a new hope because you'll you'll see and really understand some of the criticism that it's thrown its way when people call it literally a new hope 2.0 so the hero's journey involves going on an adventure as i explained overcoming some sort of crisis and then ultimately quote-unquote coming back for the betterment of where you came from this type of narrative pattern was popularized by a guy named joseph campbell in his book the hero with a thousand faces that came out around 1949 and so to quote joseph directly this is how he describes it a hero ventures forth from the world of common day into a region of supernatural wonder fabulous forces are their encounter and a decisive victory is won the hero comes back from this mysterious adventure with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man now why am i taking the time and why am i bothering to tell you all of this well it's very simple actually it is because george lucas really attributes the inspiration for luke's journey to campbell's narrative tool if i'm not mistaken i also believe that campbell said that because of star wars and the contemporization i don't even know if that's a word but the contemporization of <laughs> the hero's journey people after Star Wars were able to use that as a point of reference and were able to use Star Wars as a source of narrative storytelling and being able to use those tools thereon. Because even though Campbell was the guy who popularized its usage, most of the stories he himself was basing his research on were things like the Odyssey and the Iliad, which as everyone knows are stories that were written quite a bit ago. <laughs> they weren't written 
in the last you know 200 years they were written they were written you know a hot minute ago it's it's been it's been a while since those authors have uh, been put under the earth so the implementation of this narrative tool in Star Wars to him really helped bring it up to speed in the world of entertainment and its usage is still pretty prevalent in today's media, actually. So moving on from that, the actual makeup of the hero's journey, according to Campbell, can be broken down into 17 stages <laughs> that all fall within three categories. Those categories being departure, initiation, and return. And that's from the moment we meet the main character all the way to the end of their story, which is a lot to get through. And honestly, the main reason why I'm going to be breaking down into multiple episodes, because if we were to cover this in just one episode, we would end up having a podcast that is longer than three hours. And Papa ain't about that shit, bruh. Okay. I'm not built for it. And my throat would literally disease. And then I wouldn't be able to record for like four days. So that is not what I'm trying to do. But anyways, let's just jump into it. Again, the first category in the hero's journey is the departure, with its first stage being the call to adventure. Keppel describes this as receiving some information that takes you out of what you consider normal and serves as an incentive to leave your normal world behind. In A New Hope, I believe that there are two events that can be considered the call to adventure. Well, more like one call to action that is then followed up by another scene that really drives home the need to go on this adventure. And in this case, the first being when Luke actually finds the recording of Princess Leia asking Obi-Wan to help her and the classic you know you're my only hope thing this is something that ends up sticking in luke's mind where like it doesn't necessarily make him ultimately get up and go like it's not the thing that like lights a fire on his under his ass to just go do the thing but it's something that he ends up bringing up to his uncle in the next scene and it makes him then go into what his plans are it gives us some more exposition for the character what he wants to do in the future and it brings up the fact that he does not want to stay in Tatooine for the long haul the actual call to action in my opinion is when he finally meets up with obi-wan and then he is asked by him to come to alderaan to complete the mission that princess leia has just laid out for him and obi-wan you know officially asks him to go on the adventure to deliver the plans for the death star following the call to action there's the second stage again two out of 17 <laughs> two out of 17 there's a second stage known as the refusal of the call which as the name implies is when the hero after receiving the call often has some sort of hesitation about actually going sometimes due to a sense of duty prior commitment or just plain fear of the unknown. And, and that's what you see here within the story. Because although we already have Luke's own desire, like we already know his desire to leave Tatooine and leave his home and, you know, not wanting to stay here and really wanting to do something else with his life. Unfortunately, because of the fact that he did not end up receiving his uncle's blessing, Luke is what you would call honor bound to stay and he refuses the invitation from Obi-Wan and we we know this he says no I can't go Alderaan that's crazy so he he has this reason to stay this refusal of the call so even though we just learned that he's 
technically meant for greater things that there's an entire world out there and there are people that knew his father and could potentially give him answers that he's desperate to get about his whereabouts and about his life he can't leave and he being the person that he is he would feel bad in the long run if he just left and never got his uncle's blessing ultimately luke does accept the call to action he runs home as we all know and finds his aunt and uncle dead and <laughs> seeing them being clapped by the imperial troopers really you know fucked the shit up and that's why he no longer had anything that was tethering him to tatooine nothing that was tethering him to what is known to him as his quote-unquote normal world so unfortunately for his aunt and uncle they literally only served one purpose and that was to die so that luke no longer had something that was keeping him within tatooine giving him the ability to ultimately like i said uh, accept that call to action and go on the adventure that he was supposed to go with obi-wan so with him now being free to leave he can leave and he won't have any remorse or regrets about the act of leaving. Obviously, he did have regrets in the movie about not being present when they were attacked. But this is quickly squashed and resolved by Obi-Wan because he just essentially reassures him that even if he had been there, there would have been nothing that he could have done to stop them from being killed. And ultimately, he would have also gotten killed. And honestly, this is something that doesn't get <laughs> this is something that doesn't get visited at all like afterwards in the movie like none of the feelings of despair that normal people would have after their paternal figures just got absolutely fucking clapped or explored or anything like that it's pretty wild how fast luke is able to move on from their death and into this adventure and into the the story <laughs> that we know every day i i think personally if they were you know not that they ever would but if they ever were to remake star wars they should at least i don't know add more more context to that make him more complicated of a character because he ran up on the bodies of the people who raised him his, his essentially his parents and he brushed it off like it was nothing <laughs> obi-wan literally said nah fam you wouldn't have done anything it's fine that they're dead and luke was like you're right <laughs> And then just moves on with his life, dude. He goes on to fucking do other shit. It's it's kind of wild how how impressively fast Luke got over the death. Maybe he was fucking planning it, dude. Maybe maybe he was hoping they die. You know that that shit's fucking wild. But yeah, he he just got over that shit way too quickly, and I don't know how i feel about that now as an adult. You know, now that I'm looking at the movie with a more critical lens for the sake of this episode in the series it just it just made it just it just made me laugh it's just kind of funny how that works so with that second stage we move on to the third stage in the departure which is called the supernatural aid it can be described in two parts the first being that when the hero accepts and commits to the adventure a guide and magical helper makes their appearance and the second is when the hero is usually given some sort of tool or artifact that will aid them in their quest in episode four george lucas technically put this before the second stage 
because first it's supposed to be the refusal of the call and then after you as the hero accept the call to action that's when you meet your mentor that's when you meet the person that has the magic powers or whatever the fuck and gives you the item or artifact or tool that you're gonna use in order to complete your quest george lucas technically put this before the previous stage of the refusal for story purposes as luke needed a call to refuse in the first place and the only person that could realistically deliver that as far as the story that we know today was obi-wan so in this story the quote-unquote official call to action is given by the person who becomes the mentor and guide which is not what usually happens but George Lucas still pretty much stayed on par with the with the cycle as a whole. And as I've been explaining, it's pretty much one to one as well. Almost immediately, Lucas also given Anakin's lightsaber. Like literally, there was no hesitation from Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was like, oh, my God, you talk to me, dude. Here, here, here just fucking take it. <laughs> like, just just take the shit. And, you know, <laughs> and as we know, the, the lightsaber is the tool slash artifact that is going to help him in his quest. Even though he technically doesn't really use the lightsaber for anything major in episode four, it can definitely be argued that the way the lightsaber helps him in his quest is specifically to this episode is when he uses it to train. And, you know, when they're in the Millennium Falcon he gets shot at by the little drone when he has the helmet and the lightsaber he's able to use to block the the shots and is able to quote unquote feel the force and that's an important moment because i think that at that point that's like the first time that luke can actually quote unquote feel the force if you if you know what i'm saying like he he's able to use it to help him complete some sort of task so technically since the lightsaber was involved in that transaction there i i would attribute the lightsaber you know helping him in his quest in this particular form in episode four however as we all know he does end up using the lightsaber in episode five he gets shit on but he still uses it and it does help move the story along and then if you want to get even deeper and again going back to what i said at the beginning of this episode that the lightsaber itself helps ray and finn get through their quest after it being given to them by mass even though mass is not technically the mentor and or magical being that guides them through through episode seven but that would be han solo technically <laughs> technically at that point i i believe it would be han solo but we're not talking about episode seven we're talking about episode four i just thought that that's a good way to conceptualize the idea of how the magical artifact helps you complete your quest even though technically in episode four it wasn't like a major part of the equation as to you know that led to the success of luke however it definitely did help him in the quest and definitely helped in advancing whatever the goal was after the supernatural aid we have what is called the crossing of the first threshold which is the point in the story where the hero crosses the boundary of the known into the unknown a place where the rules are different or begin to differ from what the hero considers normal this is where the normalcy of the hero's known world starts to get stripped out However, at this point in the story, we have yet to fully dive into what is considered the quote-unquote unknown. 
This is also where the dangerous nature of the unknown starts to become apparent. And because of the fact that, as we've established, episode four is essentially the hero's journey step by step, I believe that it is done very well in this movie and it is done actually in one long sequence so it begins when obi-wan mentions that they have to travel to mos eisley and specifically makes the remark that this is where you will find a bunch of low lives and criminals and just a bunch of scum <laughs> like with that remark he's especially noting that the rules of this world the one that they're about to enter mos eisley they they run a little bit different than the ones that Luke is already used to because we know that Luke has never been to Mos Eisley or at least it's implied that he's never been. So the people who live there do not follow the normal rules set forth by society. And you really get a glimpse of this in two parts during this sequence. Firstly, when Obi-Wan uses the Force to deliver the famous these are not the droids you're looking for line. This is, to Luke, a clear bending of the rules, if you will. He remarks on this after they're done with that <laughs> after they're done with that interaction with the Imperial Troopers, essentially saying, yo, what the fuck? We were we were fucked there. What happened? And, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't really tell him what he did. He just essentially says that the Force works in mysterious ways. So if we go back to the whole stripping of what is known to the hero, he starts to, like, get a glimpse of what the Force can do, what new rules are in play for his new reality now that he's going on this adventure. And it really, like, gives him a glimpse of what is ahead for him and what is ahead for, you know, the group in general. The second part of the crossing is when they finally make it inside the cantina and George Lucas really throws, <laughs> he literally throws as many aliens as possible through the screen at you and coupled with the music, it just feels like a fucking drug-induced trip. Like, I don't know if anybody <laughs> has watched episode four lately, but that scene when they walk into the cantina is very jarring. It's like fucking aliens everywhere, just ugly-ass motherfuckers. Is that devil dude in the background just fucking giving you the crazy eye into the camera. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? So in in context to, to, to what I'm saying here, it, like, really serves a great purpose of like stripping most of what the hero in this case luke and us as the audience have come to know as quote-unquote normal however even still at this point we have not yet fully dove into the realm of the unknown because we're still in tatooine even though luke has never been here just the fact that he is still on his home planet is enough to still keep us grounded to this reality in in some way so besides breaking the normal rules that the hero knows this is also the place where luke gets his first glimpse of the danger associated with the unknown technically he's already been in danger uh, in, in his own world of the known when he's attacked by the sand people however here is where we get the first glimpse of the danger that he will experience in the unknown this being when he is confronted by the duo of cornelius evason and ponda baba who are the dudes you know the guy with a real fucked up face and the guy who looks like a walking tarantula those two guys um who threatened and tried to cause him harm just straight away like oh boy literally just walked in <laughs> he walked in laid right next to the bar and these dudes were like we're gonna fuck your shit up and 
and he's like, why? <laughs> why? I literally just, I literally just rolled in, dude. What, how are you doing this to me, bro? Like, what, what's your problem? What, can you please explain to me what the fuck I did to you for you to be so mad? <laughs> you know, they said he doesn't like you. And you're like, okay, dude, why, why are you so mad, dude? There's no reason for you to be so upset. But as we all know, these two guys get absolutely clapped by obi-wan immediately like the he dispatches them just so quickly and that's it they're they they are never seen again and in my opinion going back to the stages and and <laughs> and the topic of the episode i think that out of all the stages within the first category of departure i think that this is the most important there are three stages within the three categories that are super important and the crossing of the threshold which which is this one is the first super important one the second one is called death and rebirth and then the last one is the crossing of the threshold back into normalcy which is part of the return and this is the first one that we experience that's the important one because again this is where in the story like imagine you're luke this is where in the story you have lived a life of like somewhat normal obviously to us star wars is strange but put yourself in luke's shoes you have lived a semi-normal boring life and is the reason why you're trying to leave like luke wouldn't want to leave i don't think if it wasn't for the fact that tatooine's so fucking boring it's it's fucking it's a desert planet they literally mine for moisture like what the, what the fuck you know <laughs> like how how much more boring can you get right so he's super jealous about his friends leaving and he's super jealous deep down he feels like there's more to his life there's more that he wants to do there's more that he's supposed to accomplish but none of that is going to be able to be accomplished here in Tatooine so to him this part in the story where he finally reaches Mos Eisley which is first of all a place that he's never been to and then on top of that seeing more or less what the force can do doing the Jedi mind trick shit it's something that he hasn't experienced before. It's something new to him. And it really, at that point, starts pushing him outside of the ba the boundaries of what he considers normal. Because remember, this, we're, we're going about this based on Luke's perspective. So what he considered normal was boring. And now in this new world, in this new area, and in this new reality that he has now stepped into, in this new reality that he is on the precipice of falling into, we get a glimpse of what the diversity is going to be like. We get a glimpse of what the craziness might be like. And it's really, it's really cool how like I like I said before, how jarring the scene at least because again I literally just watched this the other day just so that I could do the research on it and so that I have the movie fresh in my mind. The way that George Lucas like introduces us to crazy shit because if you go back and you and you're more more than welcome to do it. Besides the sand people, literally the first shot of Mosaicely when they're just driving through it and right before they get stopped by the troopers you don't see anything fucking weird you, you don't you don't see you don't see any crazy aliens you see a couple of droids like fighting with each other and then you see like the crazy animals but you don't see any crazy aliens you don't see anything that's like super out of the ordinary because you're not at that point yet george lucas hasn't allowed you to feel that yet he hasn't allowed you to 
be let in. He hasn't pulled back the curtain for you to see and and look at all the things that are fucking crazy, right? And so, and again, I, I more than you know invite you to go ahead and take a look at it. Besides the sand people, which again, in reality, they're not that crazy looking. <laughs> they're, they're really not. They're just covered in rags and they have like masks. You know that that's that's what they are they're just sand people right so up until the moment where you walk into the cantina you haven't seen anything fucking crazy and then you go into the cantina and you get blasted with it it the the music loud you know the the aliens are crazy looking the fucking guy with the horns they literally make it a point to <laughs> to show you the guy with the horns the the red guy with the horns with the crazy eyes and the sharp teeth like they they make it a point to show you that what you knew was normal you you had no idea what was coming like luke had no idea what he was actually getting himself into and like i said i think that's very cool that they go ahead and do that in such a nice way and it really again because the movie was written with step-by-step instructions on how to write a hero's journey it very well does the job that it's meant to do which is to walk you through the hero's journey and pull back the curtain and bring you up to the edge of what you're going to be experiencing in this universe of star wars because as luke is going on the journey we're going on the journey with him which finally brings us to the last stage of departure and this is called the belly of the whale this is the final separation of the hero's known world meaning from this point on they are within the unknown fully and the future and what they are going to face is definitely not certain after getting to this point the hero will show some sort of sign as well that they are willing to go through change and become something else meaning that they're willing to go through some metamorphosis in order to you know achieve whatever their goal is or complete the mission that they're on the adventure that they have now set forth sometimes as well during this step it is possible that the hero will face some sort of setback or minor danger and this stage is shown as well fairly easily in the movie to me it starts from the point after they've you know settled the negotiations with han solo and after we've seen what kind of person han solo is with the introduction of java and and you know you get a look at the kind of people that he runs with we have luke and obi-wan sell luke's speeder which leads them to be followed by an unknown danger and the unknown danger is that weird alien that just trails them that has a big trunk and ultimately this alien notifies the troopers as to where they are hiding and so afterwards we see luke showing the willingness as i explained before which is a part of the stage he shows the willingness to quote-unquote change by accepting the fact that they have to travel in something that he considers a piece of junk and is willing to trust both han and chewbacca with getting them to their desired destination if it wasn't for obi-wan luke wouldn't be you know hanging out with han or chewbacca like it just it just wouldn't happen again it wouldn't it wouldn't be part of what he considers normal it wouldn't be part of what he has established in his life as a normal routine so again the willingness to 
accept the help shows that he is willing to adapt. He's willing to change the way that he does things. And this ties again into the whole belly of the whale situation and stage where there also needs to be that piece where the main hero is willing to change. It's willing to adapt. After they get on the ship, it is at this point that the troopers show up and start shooting at Han and start shooting at the Millennium Falcon. Obviously, this is a clear show that there is danger. Now, now it's not subtle. Now it's like there's literally people with guns pointed at you. They are shooting at you. You are now within the world of the unknown, and there is danger at every turn. <laughs> there is danger at every turn. However, it is not until they have lifted off the planet where the literal final separation of the known world into the unknown takes place because they now have quite literally left this old world in life behind so finally as luke is sitting in the millennium falcon blasting off into hyperspace he at this point in my opinion has finally completed the first part of the hero's journey now that we have covered the first third i guess because like i said there are three main parts to the 17 stages there's like i said before there's the departure there's the initiation and then there's the return now that luke has gone through all of that he has now finally finished this stage which my main point in going to deep conversations about this and you know bringing this in and bringing your attention to it is that as George Lucas took inspiration from this, you can literally see that not only did he take inspiration from this, but the entirety of the movie is step by step written <laughs> based on this narrative tool. Now, the reason why I'm pointing it out here more than talking about literally anything else is because it's very apparent where the inspiration came from so once you learn about the narrative like storytelling tools that george lucas used you can pretty much dissect any of the star wars movies in this same manner i don't think empire strikes back or the return of the jedi really follow the hero's journey to a t as much as a new hope does but the cool thing about star wars and the cool thing about Honestly, pretty much any story that tells an adventure is that no matter how long, it's more than likely going to go through every step and every stage within the hero's journey, because that's just what makes up good storytelling. Like there's a reason why we still talk about the Iliad and we talk about the Odyssey in school. And because even though there were stories that were written a quintillion years ago they're good stories they still hold up like the way they were written give satisfaction to the reader give satisfaction to the people listening to the story and that's the same thing with star wars i think that episode four and again uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna jump a little bit here to the end of it i think episode four after the hero's journey is complete it it's you know it's satisfying you you get to see this this boy this farmer from a desert planet just from nothing to hero you know from to quote hercules from zero to hero <laughs> so that that that's essentially what what he does and it's a good thing to see i i 
I know that I shit on, or at least I know that I did shit on the <laughs> on the original trilogy a bit in the last episode, but I do enjoy these movies. I think that they're pretty good. I just like shitting on things people like. <laughs> And things that I like because I do enjoy these movies and, you know, it's fun having to get a deep dive into them. And it gave me an excuse to watch them again, even though I don't really need an excuse to watch Star Wars. But it really gave me an excuse. And honestly, like I said, it's actually kind of fun diving deep into them and just like seeing how step by step the movie was created. And you can kind of see the gears turning as to why some decisions were made, like why did Luke's aunt and uncle have to die well they literally had to die in order for luke to have an excuse to leave you know why was obi-wan put into the situation technically before he was supposed to because again based on the stages obi-wan wasn't supposed to be introduced quote-unquote wasn't supposed to be introduced until after luke refuses the call but obi-wan is the one giving the call so it's important that obi-wan is in the story first and so in terms of the departure george lucas didn't do it like 100 but 99 is still you know <laughs> it's still a lot so we can definitely go through the process of analyzing this to the point that i am again just to prove the point that <laughs> not even the point because it's no secret <laughs> i i'm not proving this to anybody and again i'm not even the first person to cover this shit but <laughs> i i honestly think it's it's fun and i think it's cool to show you guys the narrative tool that george lucas used in order to write this movie and pretty much applies it to the rest of the star wars saga even the prequels even the sequels you know the whole thing can be applied to this narrative tool and so hopefully by the end of it you will be able to you know point it out and maybe in the future when you're watching something else you'll be able to be like oh i remember that thing that i learned in that podcast about this narrative tool let's see how it holds up so with that ladies and gentlemen we come to the end of part one of this deep dive i did write like seven pages of <laughs> of stuff for for today's podcast and i'm honestly surprised that it went by faster than i than i thought it would but anyways that's no matter again i had a good time so it didn't feel like work at all and i hope that you liked what you heard here today if you did you know what to do hit that subscribe or follow button so that you don't miss the following episodes where i'll be going over the remaining two categories of initiation and return don't forget to follow me on instagram at i'm failing upwards one again that's at i'm failing upwards one for all the latest updates and as i mentioned in the beginning of the episode where i'll be doing future surveys to try and get your feedback and see what you guys would like to hear next see what you guys think i can improve on and see how you guys are feeling this is also where i'll be announcing who my next guest is going to be and what we're going to be talking about i'm super excited about that episode i'm going to be recording that soon with my friend it's going to be a lot of fun this has been i'm feeling upwards with me your host Ilan Tiveros, a podcast about everything but mostly nerd stuff don't forget to love each other and you guys have a wonderful rest of your day